Welcome to the Seth Campbell Podcast. This show is to equip you with real-world tactics that improve your leadership skills, build your wealth, and cause you to leave a multi-generational impact on your world. This is part two, episode 21, of a three-part series on leading groups effectively for scale, titled the 20-60-20 rule. Now, part one of this series was all about alignment hacks. We used the real famous Elon Musk quote on people being vectors, and I shared with you one core truth and the five key rules to follow, which keep large groups from siloing and losing track of the mission. Next week's episode, we're going to close out this series with the final three most critical ingredients on leading a group of people to scale while cutting your work hours in half. You're going to love that one. Now for today, let's dive into part two. One of my favorite leadership lessons of all time titled the 20-60-20 model. So there I was in my mid-20s overseeing a number of McDonald's restaurants. Each of them had a dozen or so managers and hundreds of employees. Each restaurant has its positives and negatives, as you can imagine. And those positive and negatives would constantly be changing all the time, especially based on management turnover or changes at the different restaurants. Every restaurant was measured in different categories, like speed of service tracking scores, quality of food ratings, cleanliness, customer service scores, internal employee satisfaction scores, culture, etc. Every part of the restaurant on top of that had its own subset categories to be rated, like the drive-through had its own set of categories and its own work team sometimes, front counter, the kitchen. So for a few months, restaurant A would be the best in speed, the worst in culture. Restaurant B would be the best in culture, the worst in speed. And we would get to work on one score. We'd get it up. We'd get it higher just to see it drop over there. So we would improve here, drop there. Restaurant A would start to get much better in this category and then drop in another category while restaurant B got really good at this speed category, but then would lose its service score category. It, it became exhausting. It, it was very challenging to maintain excellence and performance once my world as a leader got bigger and I was no longer just leading an individual restaurant team like I had done so many years before. Quite honestly, it felt defeating. Every time felt like we would take one step forward, we'd take two steps backward. And I started to get down and really question myself, my leadership, my skills and everything. I don't know if you relate to it or not. I started to think like, how on earth am I going to be able to help get like real consistent, sustainable, excellent results because I'm a high achiever internally. I'm used to winning. I won when I was in charge of just a smaller group. And yet this is brutal. It's exhausting. There's not enough time in the day, not enough resources. I don't have enough help. I don't have enough anything to maintain this without giving up my entire personal life. And I remember thinking like, if it weren't for the humans, leading business would be easy. It's something I think about a lot. The truth is I had the wrong model for leadership at that level. I was still leading a large group the way I led a small team. And that simply doesn't work at least not for long periods of time. You can do it for a little bit of time and you'll give up parts of your personal life for it, yet burnout is always going to be right around the corner. Quite honestly, I got lucky. Had I been the owner of the business, like I have owned businesses now, but back then, had I been the owner, 
I probably would have considered something crazy like saying, forget this. I'll just keep my business small. It's easier to manage. I'll have good profit and I'll have my life back. I hear entrepreneurs say that sometimes. Thank goodness I didn't have that luxury. Unfortunately, that thought process rarely holds true for a business across multiple seasons. Keeping it small, maybe you'll do okay for a season or two, but it usually doesn't last through all the seasons. So thank the Lord I didn't have the luxury to make that decision. I had to instead learn a new leadership skill. I did what you're doing right now. I reached out and got coaching like you're doing right now. I went and, and, and I've built my life since then on, on getting coaching, getting wise counsel, finding better models. And a wise teacher taught me a new model that I've since ratified and refined a few times over again with my experience. And I've used this model, the 20-60-20 model successfully to scale multiple businesses, even simultaneously. And it works like this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through the steps now. And you're going to want to take notes or go to SethCampbell.com and get our show notes. If you sign up for our email newsletter, it's really cool right now. We have a new service. We're going to just send you every week a download you can get that has all the show notes. And I've thrown in some extra questions that if you're doing this as a work group or as a team or as a study guide, you can take this lesson even further. So here's the steps. Take all the people or groups or department, whatever you have under you today. And that's really going to depend on how big your world is right now. So maybe you've grown a sales team up to 12, 15, 20 people underneath you, and that's what you're running. Maybe you're the CEO of a 100,000-person company. You've got multiple departments or work teams underneath you, each with its own leader. Or maybe you're an entrepreneur with multiple businesses, income streams. Each one of those has a leadership team and a leader that report up to you. So you just take your you know, group that reports to you right now and start to divide them up based on performance of the absolute key measurements. Now, this is critical because there's a million measurements you can have in business. For this exercise, for this model, it's critical that you don't measure everything this way, just the key things. Uh, people that hire me to consult them in scaling business, what we do is we tend to look at five key pillars, revenue, profit, people, systems, and culture. Hopefully what your key areas are or get some help or support on that if you're not sure yet, but those five pillars that I just named, I've identified that exist in every business. So that's what I use when I consult people or businesses on scaling their world. So inside of each of those, find the one number, like the one measurement that matters more than all other measurements. And yes, before you question, there is a key measurement on some of those softer categories that are people oriented, like people and culture in people, it may be the percentage of people that are cross-trained in three or more positions, and that's the number we're going to track. It may be the percentage of leaders that have three or more people qualified replace, as replacements for succession planning or our growth scale. In culture, it may be your retention percent, or it could be your employee satisfaction scores. Pick the one number that's actually a, a combination, like the finished product of multiple numbers and activities inside of that category. So that way you would know if something's off, then you're going to be able to dig deeper and find out why. It may not tell you the exact reason, but it just alerts you that there's an issue. That's really what this exercise is about. So these are finished metrics or lag indicators, not lead indicators. For example, if we we're talking about revenue, it would be total sales, or I might use sales versus last year. I would not be using a lead indicator like number of prospecting calls or number of leads received. That's not what this exercise is before. 
So inside, pick whatever categories. And by the way, if you only have one category you're worried about or you're focused on right now, totally fine. It's even easier to do with just one category. Pick the categories that really matter. You've got your people. And now you've got the metric, one metric in each category that really matters. Like I said, don't obsess over the submetrics of that category. We'll be able to deal with that downstream. This is the 2060-20 model, and it's only going to need one category. So step one now, I'm going to rank these work teams or individuals, whatever you're dealing with, it's probably individuals. If you got a smaller group of people, like I got eight people, 10 people, 12 people underneath me now, I'm going to rank them highest to lowest in each category by that number. And what this will do as I put this in front of me is it quickly gives me a visual. Now I can see who the top performers are across each category. So rank them all. Step two is I'm going to calculate how many people make up 20% of my total. So for example, if I've got 10 people on this list, 20% of that is two people. If I got 20 people on this list, 20% of that is four people. Got a hundred people on this list. 20% of that is 20 people. So I'm going to figure out what 20% of my group is mathematically. And I'm going to draw lines to separate them into those categories. Now I'm going to draw a line underneath the top 20% and I'm going to section off the bottom 20%. What that gives me is actually three groups. I've got the top 20%. That might be two or three people. I'm at the bottom 20%. That's two or three people in that category. And then I've got the middle 60%. That's everybody else for performance in that particular category. So you can see now why we must use evidence to do this. Otherwise it's not going to work. It's got to be numerically based and it needs to be on what really matters the most. So the key step in getting your time back, which is avoiding burnout and all that negative stuff that I experienced at a young age, the key step here is getting your sanity back by being, while being able to simultaneously scale your business, because we've essentially gone from however many names you had on that list down to three, no matter how big the organization is, we got three groups now. So you no longer are leading 10 individuals or 10,000 individuals. In all cases, you're leading three groups now. And how you lead those three groups, that's where the genius is at inside this model. As we jump into this model, there is one of these human, I call them like laws of the universe. Whenever we're dealing with humans in business that begins to hold true inside these three groups. And you're going to want to memorize this particular law as it's going to be crucial in how you lead and respond in real time as you're dealing with things on the battlefield. So the human law of the universe that's going to hold true here is I want you to visualize the top 20% and the bottom 20% as pullers, P-U-L-E-R-S. And they're always pulling. The top 20% are the ones pulling the numbers in that category up. The better talent you have up there, the stronger the pull is going to be. It, it's like the last podcast, we talked about um, the vectors and how the vectors pull very hard and the best vectors are pulling very hard and going in the right direction. That's what your top 20% is here because we've identified the direction based on the category and their performance dictates that they are, if they're in the top 20%, they're pulling hard and they're pulling the, in the right direction. Better the people, the stronger the pull. Now, the bad news is 
The bottom 20% are also pullers and they're constantly pulling the numbers down. The worse they are, the harder they pull too. Unfortunately, that's where you will have your biggest time vampires. Lawsuits will start to come from them. Errors that cost the organization money. Sometimes you can get into cultural issues, gossip, mindset struggles, things like that. They can take over and pull very hard down in a category. Now the middle 60 is locked between those two. It's they're all connected on this sliding bar that goes up and down. The middle 60 is connected between those two and they'll simply go up and down with the whole group. That's what you have to visualize and remember in this law of the universe. I've got two pulling forces that are going against each other, the top 20, and the bottom 20. Whoever pulls hardest is going to pull the whole organization in that category up and down. And the middle 60 is actually just going to move in the direction that everybody else goes in the company. Now, the middle 60, they tend to naturally move towards the energy and wherever the energy and the tension mostly flows. So if you're somebody, this is where your leadership really starts to affect the middle 60. If you're somebody as a leader who actively has a scoreboard showing, you're talking up the 20% constantly, then your middle 60 is naturally gonna wanna be like them and move in that direction. Maybe they'll even go and replace somebody in the top 20%. Because remember, there's only a certain number of 20% slots you have, and it's going to be a finite number, 20% of however many people you have at the time. And so sometimes you'll have people in the middle 60 go and replace one of them, and you'll have somebody in the top 20 drop into the middle 60. That happens all the time. That's just normal, and, and, and you're, you want that. Anyway, now if the opposite can happen, if the leader's absent or passive or really just acceptable or passive or quiet about the bottom 20% or even the top 20%, they're just quiet. They don't really talk about this stuff that much or they avoid it. Unfortunately, the middle 60 will actually start to move towards becoming more like the bottom 20. They'll move, they'll move in that direction. It's the path of least resistance. And in any organization, remember this, in any organization, that treats poor performers the same as best performers will have a decline in performance because the whole scale starts to slide down. The top 20 just actually begin to pull a little bit less. They let up on the gas pedal. Why should I push as hard as I am just to hear silence, to hear nothing? And the bottom 20, they, it's not like they get worse. They just keep pulling at the rate that they're pulling and the let up from the top 20 actually allows the bottom 20 to pull the whole middle 60 downward with it. So your goal in scaling a company is simply to keep the entire group sliding up and up and up. That's your goal in scaling a company. This whole sliding scale of people, I just need to keep it sliding up and up. We'll always have a bottom 20 mathematically. So our goal actually is to reduce the negative pull as much as possible while increasing the pool of the top 20%. And this thing will slide up. It's just physics. Now the bottom 20, you can actually get them to where they operate at a decent level of performance. It's not like the bottom 20 is always bad. They're just mathematically the lowest. And you're gonna be at a really good spot if your worst issue with the bottom 20% is their numbers are a little bit lower, but they're all awesome people, really working hard and great culture. That's a company that's winning. So remember, you will have a bottom 20, doesn't mean they're negative. It just means they're pulling down 
and your goal can actually get them to almost pull hardly at all, just a little bit less while your top 20 is pulling hard, that company is going to skyrocket. So how do you do that? Let's break down the how now. You're going to do it in your calendar. Write this down. You're going to have one-on-one -on -one time with the top 20 and the bottom 20. And you're going to have group time with the middle 60. That's, this is the model. One-on-one -on -one time with top 20 and bottom 20. Group time with the middle 60. Inevitably, when I say that, people are like, whoa, 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 Seth. The middle 20 is crucial. And they're doing better than the bottom 20. Why would I... Why would they get less of my one-on-one -on -one time than even the bottom 20? And I would say back to you, hey, that's the old way of thinking on leading a small team doesn't actually work here. And the point of this whole podcast is giving you a new model, the 2060-20 model. Now, anybody that's in the middle 60 that wants one-on-one -on -one time, you're available. It's not like you would turn that down. It's just that it's not scheduled on a frequent basis. You're available, you're open, you're there for them, you're supportive of them. They can always get you one-on-one -on -one according to your opening and your schedule. So now let's break down what you do with these three groups in, in those time blocks. So now in your one-on-one -on -one time with the top 20, your conversations are different. These people are crushing your standard company goals, right, at this point. So your goal setting with them transforms to, hey, what are your goals? How big do you want to make this? Are you wanting to break records? You don't have to. And I'm not going to creep up your minimum production because you're better. I see that mistake all the time. We're, we're, now we're playing in the land of how big do you want? So I keep standards of performance the same across the board. And top 20 people, they've crushed those long ago. And I'm not creeping up the standard on them. What I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, that standard is still the standard. And you obviously don't have to worry about that anymore. It's not like you're going to fall below that. And we have to have one of those kind of conversations. So this is all about you. How big do you want to make this bad boy? How far do you want to take this? And some may say, hey, I'm good. I'm good at crushing the numbers at the level I'm doing. And I don't want any more. You know what my response is? High five. How can I help you? How can I support you? How can I clear friction for you? Remember the vectors from the last episode. These people are already in motion. So that last sentence I said is crucial. How can I clear some of the friction for you? Because these people are already in motion. They're going in the right direction. They're in the top 20%. So my job is not actually pushing the top 20% to move faster. I hope you hear that. It's clearing the friction because they're already moving faster. But by now, it's probably friction that is getting them in the way. And man, I know there's some people in the top 20% hearing this screaming, hallelujah, I wish my boss would hear this. There's some policy that you have that's slowing them down. There's some uh, inordinate amount of paperwork you have that is slowing them down. They need some administrative support, but your system doesn't tend to do that because it was never really built for that. I don't know. There's something that is slowing them down. There's some form of friction. And your job is to clear it for them because these people are moving fast. And how you get them to move faster is not by kicking them or pushing them. It is by removing friction for them so that they can move at the speed that they really want to move at. And remember, if that is, hey, I just want to keep going at this speed, I'm okay with that because they're in the top 20% and they're crushing it. So it's high five. How can I support you? Is there any friction I can clear from you? 
now what I'm doing is every once in a while, while I'm removing friction, here's the beauty of this. If I hear one of them in there constantly wanting more, a lot more, and they get more, they actually achieve more every time we remove friction or better yet, they become a friction remover while they're pulling themselves and the organization. Now I've got my next leader. That might be my replacement. I get that from these one-on-ones. All too often, I see leaders make a mistake with the top 20% or the top performers in speaking with them less because they tend to need less of our support. When you do that, you actually risk losing them because yeah, they don't need the support of some of your old group meetings. We're going to talk about that in a second. They just need a different kind of support. So you're going to lose them if you start spending less time with them or worse, you'll actually keep them and they'll adjust direction. And that direction may be against you or in a different direction the organization wants to go. And they can actually become very damaging in the organization, particularly if the friction is around some policies or rules that really not saying you let them break the rules. I'm saying you can help them remove friction around some of that. Maybe it's just, like I said, admin support or some other form or factor that helps make their job easier so they can continue to move faster. So now they don't, you want to align frequently with these people. You're going to find your replacement inside of this, and you're going to learn what the friction is inside your organization for your top people. And you're actively helping them move faster by removing friction. They don't need all of your standard group meetings. Like I was saying that everybody else here is that's true, but they do need you challenging them to think bigger and get this teaching them how to remove friction themselves so they can take your place one day as the chief friction remover. Okay. Now let's talk about the middle 60%. What do you do with this group? Remember there's a group meeting, not one-on-ones unless it's special one-off they requested it. You're open for that. Who do they want to be like? the middle 60, they want to be like your top 20. So now in a group meetings, guess who's doing more of the speaking and teaching your top 20. You're featuring the best ones in that category of focus, whatever it is you're focused on right now. You're saying, Hey, today I've got Susie. She's here to share how she consistently signs 10 new clients each month while being a busy mom with a packed schedule. And then I'm interviewing Susie. Susie's going to forget by the way, because she's a badass, she's going to forget how she does everything step-by-step because she's internalized it. She's living it. So I'm going to be interviewing her. It's going to be like, I'm breaking it down like driving school. Remember back in driving school where you had to break it down. Okay. First, put your hands on 10 and two, then your foot on the brake pedal. Then what? Okay. You turn the car on. Then what? Then what? How do you decide if you're going to take this client or not Susie or pass them on? What happens? When they call you during, a, when you're at an event with your kids, what do you do? How do you say that? How do you respond? How do you prevent from working on the weekends? Like you were telling us about walk us through that. What does your calendar look like? Can we look at it? Can you pull it up right now? Can we put it on the screen? When you put those appointments with your kids in, is it around your other appointments or you put them in first, you block. So I'm breaking it down step-by-step step with Susie. And what's happening inside this group meeting is a lot of really key things that help move this entire team forward for scale. I'm simultaneously helping my top people remember the ingredients for their own success because top performers actually forget the ingredients for their success. So I'm helping Susie remember back through all that and she's going to be better from that. I'm giving them my top 20% some really good public attention and praise 
while showing the middle 60 exactly how to be like Susie. Now the bottom 20, when they're in this meeting, they're making decisions. They're looking at themselves in the mirror. They're thinking, man, they're serious here. Should I quit or am I gonna get better? And whether it's conscious or unconscious, that's what's going on in their head. Should I quit or should I get better and adopt? And obviously we hope that they get better and adopt. That's what's happening inside of that. And when I'm putting my person out front, Susie in this example, then it's less pressure on me to come up with all this new content all the time and razzle dazzle top 20%. They love you. I don't want to, maybe I should wait for them to tell you this. They don't, they've, they already know your sentences. They already know your jokes. They already know exactly how you do it because you probably have been teaching them for a long time. So it's time to let them be the teacher. And I just went through the benefits of that. Now let's talk about the third meeting, the bottom 20% one-on-ones. Those are different too. It's making sure that we only talk about the numbers first. This group, it's going to sound like I'm pushing, ragging on them. I'm really not. I'm just giving like a reality of humans. This group tends to avoid the numbers combo because they don't like, they may want to talk about problems with the team. They want to talk about things. They want to talk about people they don't like. They may want to talk about mindset issues. Shoot, some of them may go victim and blame you for your poor training. And if only you just provided more support, if only you did this, or if only did that as to why they don't succeed. It could be more innocent, right? Where you have a, a better bottom 20% and they just start asking before you dive into the numbers. Oh, real quick. Can I ask you a couple of questions about this deal I got right now and, or this specific client or customer? And what they'll do is they'll tap into your hero, teacher, wise, sage muscle, and then boom, time's up, numbers combo averted. Thank goodness we can move on. No, first the numbers, first the numbers. Let's look at your numbers. Let's look at your pipeline. Let's look at what happened. Let's look at where you're at in this category. Then we're going to dig deeper. And during that conversation, I'm going to keep it all about facts and evidence. We're not going to get into people and problems. We're going to talk about facts and evidence. And I am going to let them hold on to their problems. I'm going to let them hold on to their limiting beliefs. Sometimes in these situations, they try to put it on you. I have this problem with, and I, I just really struggle with my mindset. And then they stop talking. I'm like, potato, I'm not grabbing that thing. Okay. So you have a problem with your mindset. What are you going to do about that? What do you think the next steps are? How do you think you'll get over that? Who do you know that has already broken through that? Maybe Susie. What are you going to do now? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay in coach mode. I'm not going to take on their problems. What I'm going to do is empower them. I'm going to be this great connector of resources. And I'm going to come up with all the ideas. I'm going to be a connector. And if the connection is me, if I'm the greatest resource, then we're in trouble. Uh, Maybe, hey, why don't you go shadow Susie for a day? Completely copy all of her systems. Copy everything she does. And next week during this time, let's break down in your next one-on-one exactly what you copied, how it worked. We'll look at your calendar, see how much you copied because we saw her calendar. You see how that works? Now I'm empowering them, putting the responsibility back on them. Yeah, but I have this issue. How do you see yourself solving that? What resources are available to you other in my head, other than me, because I'm the connector, not the source. Does it sound cold? I hope not. I love these people. I know you do too. We are their biggest cheerleaders. The thing we know is they tend to know what to do. It's probably getting over some fear 
or just getting out there and doing it, taking action is their real issue. So I'm going to encourage them to start taking steps, action steps, but I'm not going to carry them. I'm certainly not going to force them. I'm going to encourage them and I'm going to give them every resource, every connection possible for them to go tap into so they can own their own positive fate. So now my calendar is this group meeting and individual meetings with no more than six to eight people. If you do the math on how big of a, a team you're leading, I promise you, you probably have no more than two or three people, four people max in the bottom 20 and two or three, four people max in the top 20. So I've got one group meeting, maximum six to eight individual meetings that can be 15 or 20 minutes. And I can move an entire organization forward in record speed. This folks is the 2060 20 model. I hope you enjoyed it. Please join the Seth Campbell podcast, private Facebook group. And let me know your thoughts, your questions on the 206020 model. Let me know your limiting beliefs. I'll help you through those. Don't forget to subscribe to our new Seth Campbell podcast on YouTube. You get a video. Yes, this is a video taped recording of this episode. And you can be alerted of every weekly new episode when it drops. And as always, go to SethCampbell.com. Like I mentioned earlier, we have this new feature. You click on the podcast section, sign up for a weekly newsletter, and we'll send you a really cool set of show notes and some questions that you can lead your team through or yourself through all about today's lessons. So until next week, go forth and prosper. Reach out to me or my team if we can be of service in helping you break through the scale and make a generational impact on your world. Thanks, everybody.